Hi, I'm your host, Karina Gantis, and you're listening to a special edition of Behind the Pen for the NAPOD POMO National Podcast Post Month. your host for Behind the Pen. Welcome for joining me for another episode. I am an award-winning author of 14 books. I'm also the host of the Author Assist radio show on the Artist First Radio Network, podcaster, I'm a booktuber, and I run Author Assist, which helps market and promote um, authors, everything from brainstorming an idea right through to the marketing of the final product. Today, my special guest is Mitch Gray. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. I'm looking forward to it. Where are you from uh, right now? Where are you established? So so I am based in New Mexico in the United States. Yeah. That's where you are right now, Phil, doing the meeting. Correct. Yep. Wow. New Mexico. Wow. I don't think I've had a guest from there before. Nice. Right. Yeah, we're kind of we're kind of uh, in the, what they call the southwest um, part of America. So yeah, kind of right in the middle to the south a little bit. Cool. Yeah. And it's early yeah. morning there. So what's the temperature like at the moment? They're going to be a hot yeah, one so today. So my my guess would be probably seventy five to eighty wow. degrees right now. I, I actually haven't been I, yeah I haven't been outside yet, but that would be my guess. Um, sunny, as you can tell behind me. Um, yeah, so it should be a good day. It'll probably get to 90, 90 degrees Fahrenheit. I, I don't know. I can't leave yeah. my house at the moment. It's just so hot. It's like being blown by a fire. You can actually feel right. the heat. It's, when they see a heat wave, it really is a heat wave. It hits you and you're like, oh, I can't breathe. No, it's really, really so. Warm so, what's the, the tem- what's the temperature? Do you go by Celsius? You probably go by Celsius. Um, yeah, so. it's, it says that it's 36 celsius out there at the moment so that would be yeah that would be what 85 degrees or something i think and 85 90 and it's Fahrenheit. like what are we doing seven o'clock at night yeah. and in here in this room with the aircon on it's 28 nice yeah so yeah it's, it's still not cool enough it's got to get down to about 21 <laughs> i'll be happy if it's 21 okay then you're happy So Behind the Pen is for anyone who uses a pen. You've been an illustrator, an editor, a musician, a writer, author, director, um, and there's so many more. Um, So what is it you use your pen for, Mitch? Yeah, so um, recently it's writing books. Um, I have a new book releasing the end of August uh, called How to Hire and Keep Great People. Um, in my past life, I was actually a, a touring musician and a songwriter as well. I, wow. I still write write music some, not as much as I used to. Um, I used to write, oh gosh, I don't know, 75 to 100 songs a year, probably somewhere in there. So wow. qu- quite a bit of production. Um, no movies, no scripts, maybe in the future, but right now, you know, books and then fairly recently music. Yeah. So 
I mean, if you were doing so much uh, writing songs and maybe, mm -hmm. I assume selling them off to people, um, what stopped you doing that? Or what um, took over your time? Yeah, I actually wasn't selling them. I was actually playing them. Oh, um, right. We, we, yeah, we, uh, we toured and released albums uh, for quite a while. And, um, and so I, my, the dream was to sell them eventually. And I, would, I might still dive back into that. I, I love writing music. But really, the reason I stopped is uh, two, two years ago, this is 2021, so yeah, 2019, um, I actually lost my singing voice. And so um, we had to stop touring and we had to, you know, stop. we were actually in the middle of recording an album. Um, I actually have two other albums that are completely written for. So I've got a couple of albums that the music is done and ready. Yeah. And um, so that kind of put a, Kind of put a pause on that, which, you know, I, I, I believe the um, universe has a way of helping us focus. And um, I, I, it took a while for me to get here, but I do believe that was kind of a good way for me to really focus my energies on finishing my book, um, which I had started in as far as idea. I hadn't started writing it at that time. But and then I'm a, I'm a small business and leadership consultant. And so sometimes you're doing too many things in life and i think the universe kind of goes you know back Slow up a little down. bit we, we yeah. don't always recognize that in the moment um, which is what happened to me but looking back you know i can see that that, that I, I needed to let go of something and so it's been a journey but i love music music has always been a safe creative space for me it's really been therapy um since i was a kid you know i was always around music my family played and sang and um, I grew up in in a church culture where music was very important, like a lot of musicians did. And um, and so it's always been near and dear to me. So it was, um, but I, I'll get back to it. I'll get we, back uh, to I it. Mean, yeah. We have virtually the same story. I mean, um, you lost your voice. Um, did they give you a reason why? What so <laughs> let me see if I can explain this where it's uh, e easier to understand. So Basically, uh, you you have basically a, a vocal box, but within that vocal box and vocal cords, really you have two two different voices per se. You have your speaking voice, which is actually different than your singing voice. And for some people, um, when you hear musicians that are what we call classically trained or opera singers, they actually have the ability to have kind of in a way a third voice, where their singing voice they can have multiple singing styles and you can think of the vocal box as almost a muscle. It's built of, you know, kind of kind of explaining it like bone structure. It's built of what are yeah. kind of similar to ligaments, et cetera, et cetera. So with mine, um, the, the vocal cord acts as a really, really thinner than your fingernail um, piece of, of, of material that vibrates on each vocal cord. And so with mine, what's happening is my vocal cords are actually getting cuts or lesions on them and they're bleeding. And so when they bleed, that little piece of, of, of whatever it's made of, <laughs> that little thin piece of whatever that vibrates Flesh. to create sound. Yeah, it's actually getting stuck to my vocal cords. And so when that gets stuck to my vocal cords, there's no vibration happening. And what that caused my voice to do is, you know, we, we would play a show 
And it was nothing for us to play a three-hour show. So we would play three or four 45-minute sets, which is the equivalent of usually 30 to 40 songs. And, mm -hmm. and I was the singer. And so when you do that for so many years, um, it's just like going into the gym and lifting the same muscle with maximum weight over and over and over and over again. It doesn't work. And so mine, because of those lesions and that bleeding, um, though that flesh would stick to basically what was bleeding and dry up, and then I couldn't. So about three years ago, I started noticing it, mm. and I I would have first set would be fine, second set would be fine, third set would be really a struggle, and then I started noticing um, I had a lot of cracking, so. Mm -hmm. Uh, my my uh, my range started shrinking. I used to have a, I used to have almost a four octave range, and then it went down to three octaves. For those that don't know, a range means what notes you can hit high and low. Yeah. And then my voice started cracking um, in places that wasn't that it just normally wouldn't. And then in 2019 is where I got to the point that we had to start changing up the songs because I couldn't hit the notes. We had to change the pitch, and so we used think to play. That something was wrong there, and to go and see a doctor then. Yeah, I I just thought it was being tired because I would rest and it would come back. Mm. Like I could recover pretty quickly, so like we could play a show on a Thursday, and I would recover enough to play on a show on a Friday, mm. and then I would recover enough to play on Sunday, and then that recovery period just got longer. But I did try and um, toward toward the middle of 2019, I actually tried to start getting in to see a specialist and it took a year wow. a year to get a specialist book so that was a part of the issues mm. it took so long so then I went to a specialist and come to find out they didn't deal in that area so I had to go to another specialist um, and then at the end of the day that that particular problem they can't fix with surgery unless it's just major major and mine wasn't major enough and so basically it's time time and rest um so I really haven't, I don't sing much. It's been about uh, about a year since I've really sang. It's been about a year and a half since I've, you know, sang seriously. So I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll tell yeah. you my little story now. I used to sing in a rock band when I was younger, lead singer. Mm. So I've done all the gigs. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And then over here in Greece, uh, of course, I didn't speak Greek. And so I couldn't start doing uh, Greek singing. So um, I took start taking my writing seriously just yeah. out of plain boredom really and then my husband started working a karaoke bar in the tourist area and that awesome. was ideal for me so basically yeah. I was I was PRing with my voice getting people into the bar because yes. I could sing and, and I you know I could I was up to the soprano level you know I could hit those notes Myra Carey Whitney Houston no problems at all so I would be singing and getting them in the bar and everything, and I'd, I'd join a, a charity choir, local one, and we'd be raising money for the children's uh, charity. And um, then I started getting sore throats last winter, and uh, mm. my voice mm. just kept on um, disappearing if I talked for too long. Um, and yeah. I, it, I had no idea what it was, and so we went to see a specialist. Um, and um, he had looked down, and as soon as I mentioned that I have fibromyalgia, which mm. is a condition that affects the nerves and muscles of the body, he said, yes. it's gone to your throat. 
He says, your muscles wow. are too tired. Wow. And I said, is there anything we can do? You know, is there any medicine? Is there an operation? Anything? Because I'm not going to stop singing. I can't because it's right. like you. Right. You get so much um, pleasure and so much freedom and so much joy out of singing mm. that there's no yes. way I was giving that up. And he said, no, there's nothing we can do. Wow. And and so I spent this winter with my youngest daughter practicing karaoke songs mm. that where I can sing certain parts and she can take over. So at least I'm still getting her <laughs> right. going out, yes. singing, yes. enjoying it, letting people hear my voice and knowing what I can and can't reach yes. now. Yes. Um, but there was no way I was going to stop after he said that. You can't take when you have fibromyalgia. You basically live in in a house. When you go out, you need a walking stick. Um, you're on I'm on 15 pills a day for meds. Right, um, right. So this was the only thing that I had mm. that gave me so much pleasure and didn't affect mm. my illness. And then what happens? Doesn't affect me. Yeah. So, yeah, I understand exactly where you're coming from. Done that, been there, and we're in the same boat. But um, yes. let's talk about um, the second um, uh, entrepreneur business that you do, your consulting. Mm -hmm. um, did this come natural with you, or did you actually go to university and study to, to get your degree? Yeah, great question. Um, so I actually started out just, I, I wanted to be a pastor, um, work in churches, a minister. Oh, wow. And that, that's what I wanted to do since I was, gosh, 10 years old, <laughs> since I was a, a little kid. And I, I had no doubt that's what I what was going to do. So that's what I went to school for, um, for biblical studies. And um, I, I did that for a few years. When I was in, in America, they call it seminary. So it's, yeah. Um, it's, it's basically a college specifically for uh, pastors and, yeah. and ministers. So when I, after I got done with seminary, that school was, and most are, is eight hours a day, four to five days a week. I mean, it's a full-time job just going to school. So for those that may have gone to university or are in, you know, taking 12 hours a semester is a lot. We'll try taking 35. I mean, it's a, it's a four-year degree in less than two years. And wow. so- Needless to say, when you get done with that, you're you're tired. And I'm not one that really enjoys school. I I, I could always do it well, but I didn't enjoy it. And so when I got done, um, I just needed a break before I went on with my career. So I actually decided I had a family, and um, I decided I'm just going to go find a job, just to work for a little while, save some money, and then dive back into my career. Well, I went into retail. Um, specifically high fashion retail with a company that they sell higher end clothing and fashion. And within six months of starting with that company, they put me in charge of a store, a multi-million dollar store. Uh, so I was running a store within six months. I was what, 20, 21 years old. So wow. pretty young. And that was really my first experience in getting completely away from church work and into the business world. And I fell in love with it. Absolutely fell in love with it. Um, I fell in love with developing people because that's always in my heart is develop people, empower people, teach people. And that's a lot what ministry is about, you know, Of course. but I always wanted to get back into ministry. And so I did eventually five years later. 
And uh, there were parts of it I did well, uh, but I ended up getting fired <laughs> for three years later from that job. First time I'd ever been fired, really for no reason at all. And so then that I... kind of sent me down. Yeah, that sent me down a path that I still had a heart for ministry, but I had this passion all of a sudden for developing people and business. And so for uh, almost 10 years after that, I, I, I started different businesses. I worked for a few different companies. I failed at different businesses. I had a lot of success at businesses I started. So that had really made me fall in love with being an entrepreneur and working for myself. And my kids were little at the time. My family was young. So working for myself was very um, attractive because I could still do all the things with my kids. You know, so many people that work until five, six at night, they miss a lot of opportunity with their family. Nice. Yeah, definitely do. So between all of that, between my heart for people and wanting to develop people and empower people and my heart for business, I really came to the conclusion that my goal in life is to help leaders lead, to teach leaders how to better teach their people. And over the last, um, you know, I've been building that for about six or seven years. And then over the last two or three years, I remember the frustrations of having to hire people. I remember the frustrations of, you know, the stress if you didn't hire the right people or like right now in the economy we're in trying to find people. It's, it's so, that, that gives so much stress to business leaders, especially small business, um, which is the majority of the economy in the world. Mm. And then I remember um, the feeling when you got it right, when you hired the perfect person and the success that they brought. And so about three years ago, I really started thinking about that concept. And so I started looking for books on how in the world do you hire the right people? And guess what I didn't find? You didn't find those books? Didn't find them. I didn't find the books. I didn't find the YouTube videos. I didn't find any of that. So I, then that really got me to thinking, how can I best help business leaders? How can I take away the stress? How can I empower them? How can I help them have more success? And my answer in this season of life was, I can really teach them the value and importance of finding the people that are right for their business. And so taking all that experience over 25 years now, um, that's, that's what led me quite a few years ago to go, you know, I'm equipped. I've failed. I've succeeded. I've been stressed. You know <laughs> what it is, it and... Mitch, it's a journey. Everyone is on a journey mm -hmm. to find that real pathway. We are put yes. here for a reason, a purpose, and you're not going to, yes. a lot of people don't get that purpose straight away. A lot of people work hard, right. they fail, they try new things, they try this. But when you know that you have found your purpose, yes. you know that you're on the right path, it is so enlightening, empowering, yes. and um, it just you, just, you know, you know, like I know what I'm doing now, helping people is what I should have done from the beginning. Of course, I didn't know at the time until I got right. ill that I, and then I started my business. So it, it took me being, being, um, with disability and illness to finally get on the path that I was supposed to be on. Yes. Well, and we often, yeah. we often don't, that, that's a part of the journey, right? Is we often think our purpose is one thing, but really I, I, I have a saying that, that I really love. The only way you can relate to a dream or a purpose is within your current circumstance. 
And so what, you know, because you can only relate to things by how much you know, and Mm -hmm. by what your knowledge is. And so Mm -hmm. for me, I knew I loved people and I knew I wanted to help people when Mm -hmm. the culture I grew up in, what was the response to that, that knowing it was to go into church work because that's where you best helped people. But what I didn't know was that really wasn't where I was meant to be. Yeah. But I needed those experiences. You know, like you just said, if, if we would have done this from the beginning, but the reality is we couldn't do that because from the beginning. Because we had a lot of learning to do before yes, then. Yes. And that's where patience, you know, people ask, well, what does it take to take to find success? Well, first of all, you have to define success. You know, How it looks different. Find success? Se- second of all, it takes patience and persistence. Mm-hmm. You can't give up because you're constantly learning and growing and knowing and I'm not who I was 20 years ago. You're not who you were 20 years ago. We needed to go through that to arrive at where we are today. And that's the purpose that we feel now. And guess what? In 15 years, our purpose is probably going to be different because we grow and we evolve and we change. You know, we talked about losing our voices. If you would have asked me seven or eight years ago about music, I would have told you that I had a real goal to turn that into a business to a real substantial business, but guess what? That didn't happen. And so it changed, things change and that's okay. That's okay. This idea that you have to do the same thing your whole life is so boring. (laughs) I feel sorry for these people that do these nine to five jobs that they hate, but they're doing it because they're forced to do it because they can't find anything else. And they need yes. the money for those that have a job. Yes. Um, whereas we're the lucky ones. We get to do what we enjoy. And we get up in the morning and we want to go to work and we want to do our job. I wish everybody had that feeling. Everybody had that experience. Because I, then, I just feel, you know, if, if you're doing something where you don't want to get out of bed in the morning and go to work, yes. then you're in the wrong yes. job. And there are people that work their dream nine to five job and they're incredibly happy. The point isn't, you know, I think in this culture, we hear a lot about entrepreneurs and hustle and success that the only real success is if you get to the end of the day and you're happy and you're fulfilled, how that comes to fruition doesn't really matter. It only matters because it matters to you. And that's where people need to focus. All of us need to focus on that. Someone, someone asked me, what's the meaning of success as being a, a, you know, an award-winning author? And I said, it, it's not about being a New York Times bestselling list. It's not about being mm. a, a J.K. Rowling and having a film and millions of dollars in my bank. It's about having that review that I didn't even know was coming. Yes, it's about yes. going, going to my my sales and seeing a few lines appear. It's about someone contacting me to tell me how amazing or or how sick they felt after reading one of my books. But they contacted me to tell me that. You know, that is the meaning of success for me. Those little things mean so much to me more than a case full of money and, and write this book and you're going to be a a number one best-selling author. I would love that. I would love to be able yes. to, uh, yes. to 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 do a writing full time. I'm fourteen books now. I've got another two in the oven. I'm not going to stop writing. But 
um, it's not happening for me. And and maybe if right. I spend a thousand dollars on a course that they're all saying that's where you're going to learn everything, maybe maybe yeah. I would. But uh, I don't have that many, so uh, I shall plod on and I shall carry on yeah. what I'm doing. Yes. I shall carry on yes. writing for me. And I hope that my people enjoy the books. And that's that's all that it means to me. You know, I don't want too much in life now. You know. Well, then, and even if you ask, you know, the J.K. Rowling's and whoever else, even if you ask them about success, they're they're not going to respond with box office movie results and best stuff. They're going to respond with. Because that's a creator spirit, right? A creator spirit, an entrepreneurial spirit isn't, I created a multi-million dollar business. An entrepreneurial spirit is, I created a successful business, but now I'm creating something else. You know, an author is the same way. Success isn't, being a best-selling author is just the result of good timing, good content, and an audience that wants to I like to that, listen. good timing. I like that. That's it is. Exactly right. And the know, right person reading your book. Yes. <laughs> yes. And some people call it luck. I just call it timing. But mm-hmm. but if you ask those people that are at that level, and the reason I know that is because they continue writing. If they felt like a best-selling author's list in a box office movie was success, they would stop writing because they've reached the pinnacle. I like that. But they're yeah. always looking to do something more. J.K. Rowling has more ideas and more things to do. And and so it's the same for all of us, really. And and that's what I love about, about coaching leaders is the human spirit doesn't change. The human spirit and the basic human needs are always the same, regardless if you have $10 billion in the bank or $100. Your basic human spirit is always the same. The more money you have, the more it reflects your true nature. It's a mirror to the soul. And so when you really start digging into what is the basic human need, what's basic human function, what's the basic human spirit desire, its purpose and fulfillment and community, just that's why losing our voice was so powerful to us because we lost our sense of place and belonging and healing it's not just about the music really it's not about the music at all it's about that human desire and for us yes yes and it doesn't matter what level of success you get to those desires never that that's why so many people you know unfortunately you hear so many successful people who are miserable they have all the money in the world and they can go anywhere they want but they can't go out and enjoy time with friends because of paparazzi or they can't do different things. And that becomes a life in a bubble and humans aren't meant to live in a bubble. We just realized that with the pandemic, humans aren't meant to live in a bubble. (laughs) We're supposed to be able to socialize and go out and and meet people and meet new people and, and, and talk with people. And that's, that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. The pandemic is really, um, uh, opened people's eyes to a lot of things lately. Let's um, yes. talk about your book then. This is your first book, is it? No, this is my fourth. Your fourth. Excellent. Hire and keep great people. And yeah, that's coming out in August, yeah? The official release date is um, August 
31st, but I will tell your listeners, it's actually available now. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually available now. Um, You can actually get it. It's not releasing until officially until August 31st, but you can actually order it now on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, And it'll, it'll soon be out and, you know, it slowly rolls out oftentimes. So um, but yeah, folks can actually order it now. It's how to hire and keep great people. Yeah. So that was number four. So let's go to number one. What was your debut yes. book? So number one, um, I I want to say something because I totally disagree with this statement. <laughs> I read something the other day from an author and he was saying uh, it's it's one of his books that I'm reading. And in the book, he's talking about marketing. And he says something like, you know, I've, I've written 10 books, but five of them I don't count because they were never published. I'm like, no, if you write a book, you've written a book, whether it's published or not. So I say that to say <laughs> my first book I wrote um, in my early 20s, and uh, it was not published. Um, my second book I wrote in my mid, mid-20s, and it was actually a book of poetry. Oh, wow. And the read. And the reason I wrote it is I love I love poetry. I haven't done much of it in the last 15 years, but that's how I started writing, actually. When I was 12 years old, I started writing poetry, and then I moved to songs, and then I moved to storytelling. And that's um, how it works, yeah. But my, my, my wife and I didn't have very much money, and I wanted to give all of my family a Christmas gift. And so I was able to do that through writing and compiling a book of poetry, and I bound it and then gave it as um, Christmas gifts. And so that was special to me. My third book was the first one I had published. It was a spiritual inspirational book. Uh, this is actually my fifth, but my, my, this is my sixth book because I did write a book after that that um, I threw away. I wrote the complete manuscript, didn't like it, trashed it. No, you don't do that. My, my, my last book in 2018 um was an inspirational spiritual book called the gathering place and it's still mm-hmm. available people can order that book it's i'm very proud of it this is my first business book um in 2021 and so I, what i guess i named off six there i don't know it's yeah. you know how it is it's it's a lot so and I tell shame on time, you for throwing a manuscript away you never no, do no, that you no, never do like it. It. You, I, you put it in like your it drawer you put it in your drawer and you forget about it. You don't throw it away. I, I didn't. That's how much I didn't like it. That tells you how much I didn't like it. You know, here, let, me tell, let, let me tell you what happened because this talks about evolution, right? Let me tell you what happened. So religiously, I, I have moved away from everything that I grew up with for the most part. And that manuscript that I wrote was another spiritual, um, inspirational book. And I was in this evolutionary growth process with my spiritual beliefs and, and everything. And I got to the end of that book and I read it back. And I couldn't in good conscience put it out because I didn't agree with most of the stuff that I'd written. And so I'm like, so it was really symbolic for me to burn that manuscript. I mean, it was really actually therapeutic. Because it was like this passageway to move just away from old. Get away from yeah. that. And start over. Start, yeah. start over. Yep, start wow. over. <laughs> so, so now you've got your first uh, business book coming out and people yes. can pre-order it now, um, which uh, will help leaders um, learn how to 
find the right person and keep yes. the right person and yes. make sure they do their job correctly and yes mm. yeah so the book talks about um how, how and where and why do you recruit people so we start even before the hiring process mm. um and then it goes into um hiring the right people and then it goes into how do you keep those people what 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 story are we being told in the world at why people do or don't stay at a job and then um we talk a lot about culture in the book how how do you why is culture important you hear that word a lot you know mm -hmm. culture 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 what does that really mean how why is it important and how do you design culture in the workplace um you know really it's funny because you don't hear a lot of people talk about culture personally, but you hear everyone talk about culture professionally. But that's a problem because if you don't understand culture personally, then you're never going to understand how to design culture professionally. And so there's this gap where on LinkedIn and on Twitter, I hear people talking about, you know, well, we need good culture, but I don't hear anyone saying, well, what actually is, is culture? and good, good culture yeah yeah and so really there's not a voice explaining that very well and so i really wanted to dig into that there's a couple of chapters in the book that really dive into why is it important what is it and how in the world do you design it um and to me business leaders make the mistake as in many things in business they do it isolated so someone owns a small business and they think that they can make all the decisions from point a to point z because the problem the is when you, yes, when you bring other people into the mix, you can't be the only one making the decisions. And that, that really is important when it comes to culture. If you own a business and you're the only one deciding what the culture looks like, you're going to fail miserably. It doesn't mm -hmm. work. And so we talk about that in the book. Yeah. So you, you learned this, all of this is from your own experiences and knowledge of through your life, what you've learned through your yes. jobs and everything you've been able yes. to put this book together that that's amazing i think i do yeah, you know, take... a help you know a how-to book but there's so many out there um so you've got to find the niche and i think because you already asked and looked for that book and it wasn't there you found the niche now you just need to find the marketplace yes. to sell your book you know yes. you need to find the right people to promote that book to it's not going to be uh, average joe on the street you're looking for no. the the top guns you know um so I yeah, mean, when we and, and when we talk about you know we, we were joking earlier about you know when you look at your uh sales results you're like you want to see one line you, you want to see the lines grow for people that don't understand we get you know kind of graphs and we see those lines <laughs> you know and what 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 day is performing better where did sales come from etc and really to get those lines to grow, um, especially, gosh, it's something like there's 15 million books available to people at any point in time. I mean, it's an insane amount. And you walk just into a bookstore, just a bookstore, not Amazon, just walk into a bookstore. There are so many books. It's like, how in the world does anyone choose? And so what I've learned, what I've learned is I'm a big vision thinker. But really, by nature, I'm not a how-to guy. I'm, I'm more of a philosopher. That's kind of my ministry background, right? Yeah, Life is yeah. very philosophical. The problem is philosophy doesn't sell because <laughs> people, pe 
people want the comfort of knowing that they're getting some really good advice in the genre that I write. Obviously, if we're talking about other genres, it's different. But even the same, it's the same, right? Even even in other genres, your story better be clear. Your characters you, better be clear. Yeah, I mean, you you've you've got to give back if they're going to pay money for that book. They've got to get yes. something from it, and yes. and so. Um, just the title of the book tells people exactly what they're going to get from this mm -hmm. book and uh, when you're promoting and you're marketing that book you need to let them know what they're going yes. to get from reading your book and that's what's going to get you sales is by yes. letting them know why they need to buy that book yeah. why they need that in their life yeah that's exactly right that's exactly right yeah so Mitch Tell everyone where they can find you on social media and your books and maybe some old music somewhere hiding. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram is uh, at M Gray, G-R-A-Y media. So that's Twitter and Instagram. And then LinkedIn, just look up Mitch Gray, G-R-A-Y, and uh, you should find me on LinkedIn. So my website is MitchGrayMedia.com. And on there, people can, you know, see the book and we'll have actually have a, a, a link to they can directly order the book, not from us, but from Amazon mm -hmm. or wherever. Um, and then there's also things about our consulting on the website as well. If anyone's listening to this Good, and is yeah. uh, in leadership. So we are taking new clients now. Um, and then as far as the book, like I said, it's officially releasing August 31st, but it's actually they can go order now. Pre -order, Amazon, Barnes yeah. and Noble, really anywhere you can find books. Um, Actually, my podcast also people can subscribe to the Mitch Gray Show anywhere they listen to podcasts. And uh, yeah, so I'm kind of everywhere, right? You have That's to be. That's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you, Mitch. Thank you. I've loved it. And I appreciate your listeners tuning in.